Yeah. All right. So you were just saying with with Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. My thing to you is: is there more to that whole story that you can give? Yeah, I mean, there's so much more. I mean, do you feel like after you read it that there's something missing or oh, absolutely. Some, like what? Sure. Well, I mean, you you touch on fire school. But yeah. You can tell that there's much more. Every chapter, and I go back on every chapter, there was more to the story. Yeah, yeah. That's why I've said it to you, where you could do follow-on breakout. Yeah, yeah. Involved, and you there's, do yeah, there's so much going on when I'm living in Virginia. You know, when I first moved there, I'm working at this think tank, and it feels like graduate school for the intelligence community. You know, we're sitting in classified rooms, you know, talking classified bullshit all the time. And I'm having all these deep conversations and I write about that a little bit, but it was another period of my life where I was like, I'm never leaving. I'm never going to do anything else because, you know, this is the work I want to do. I had um, bought a condo right around the corner. Like I could walk to work in like 10 minutes, the fire, I could walk to the fire station in 10 minutes. And I was like, this is my life forever. And then like a lot of things in my life, out of nowhere, it all ended the the command that I was working at this graduate school think tank for the army got shut down it's like you know I was working for the government the government never shuts things down you know but they're like oh we don't have any money for this command and I was like what the fuck here we go again you know I feel like you know like you know when I was in Iraq or I was in Afghanistan I was like here I'm doing the thing that I want to do and now it's all coming to an end not because of something I did but it's just you know in those moments it felt like it's being taken away from me you know, and so that's when I went to Africa and it was almost like I was so frustrated and exasperated with all the shit I was doing. And that was in 2012, 13, you know, and, and by then I was sort of on the fence about whether I wanted to go back to the Middle East or go back into combat. But when when that job got taken away from me, I was like, fuck it, fuck everything. I'm going to go do something else. And I don't talk about that in the book. I mean, I do talk about the fact that it happened, that I moved on from it, but I don't talk about like the emotional toll it took on the doer inside of me, right? The doer was like, what the fuck, man, we're doing this thing. And now all of a sudden we're, we can't do it anymore. So let's go find something else, something else big, you know? And that, and that's sort of a theme that happens throughout my life. I mean, again, it goes back. Wasn't Africa where you, where I thought reading the book was the first hesitation? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, that's one of the things that you brought out was there's this I'll go theme. And I didn't realize it until you said it. It's like really strong. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. But there's a moment when I hesitate. And it was when I was in Africa and you know, I don't tell, again, I don't tell the story in all of the detail, but I was sitting in this, you know, base and when I, the, my time in Africa is the most classified work I've done. The missions were classified. The bases were classified. The units I worked with were classified. It was like when I was in Iraq, I was like, yeah, I was in Fallujah. I was in Baghdad. I was at Al-Assad. You know, we went to Sakhalawiya. We went, you know, you can talk about all the different places. Same thing with Afghanistan, but Africa was, you know, the, the missions there were less visible, you know, fewer people knew about it and what we were doing. And so I'm in the middle of this base in the middle of fucking nowhere, literally, you know, I was talking about it with John yesterday. I was on a 
boat plane, right? Like you had to get there through, you know, on a boat to a plane to a boat plane to, you know, it was just craziness. And they're like, if you want to keep your job, you have to go to the Persian Gulf. You have to go to Bahrain. And there was a moment when I said to myself, I was like, am I really going to do this? Am I, is this what I'm doing with my life right now? And I did it. What'd you say, Matt? Why did you think that? You're going to skip right over that part. I was going to skip over it. Yeah, no, not with me here. (laughs) We can't even see you. Yeah, I know. You're outside. Well, what's happening is I don't want to take away from Alex, so I'm uh, I'm dimming down my gloriness. (laughs) And here here we go. He turns it it south. I'm going to dive back in. And you asked, you said, why did I think that? Um, At the moment, I, I don't, I didn't know. But now as I look back on it, it's because, well, there's two things, right? As I look back on it, I would say I, I wasn't, there was part of me that wasn't sure that I should keep doing what I was doing. I had a few experiences where, when I was in Africa that made me think to myself, I'm almost stuck. I'm almost stuck living this gypsy life where, you know, sometimes, you know, people get to a point where they can't stop anymore. They get stuck addicted to the adrenaline. Uh, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Yeah. I, I was waving my hand, but you yeah, I can, I can barely we, see that, but yeah. We, we can't uh, see. Did you finally, and this goes back to my earlier comments that, you know, you, that self-destructive behavior, did you finally empty that gas tank? Did I finally what? empty that gas tank yeah and that was the second thing i was going to say it's like i didn't realize it um but at that point when i was on this base in the middle of nowhere and they said you need to move somewhere and i hesitated probably for the first time in a decade at that point my gas tank was empty but i didn't know it i was so caught up in combat and adrenaline and living that life it was about six months later and I was living the life. I was, um, I was in Bahrain. I had my own apartment. I, you know, my apartment building had a rooftop pool. I had people over all the time. I was playing rugby, going out, having a good time. And it's the most depressed I've ever been in my life. Because it took me longer than it should have to realize that I was completely out of gas you know, all the bad things that happened to me in all those places, I never processed it. And so, you know, after Africa, I went to Bahrain. And then after that, I said, I'm going home. I mean, you know, the fact that I wasn't aware or conscious of the negative impact to me for so long is why, you know, in 2014 i i had enough and had to basically run away from all the stuff that i was doing yeah you, you finally right. hit the empty tank yeah yep and i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't even say it was running away from you know 
I agree with that. Yeah. Not away. You got it out of your system. There, yeah. There's a difference between running away and getting out of your system. But, you know, <laughs> probably more importantly is like, you know, this website, the title of it is This Hero Life. You know, and it's like everybody, like we grow up thinking that superheroes or heroes or whatever, they wear capes and masks and they're otherworldly creatures and none of us could ever be anything like that. But it's okay. bullshit as far as I'm concerned. We've had this conversation and you know how I feel. I know exactly and, how you feel and you know how I feel. We're going to disagree. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, listen, I, I, I really don't want to go here because you're going to take it way too far and think I'm paying you a compliment. And for all the <laughs> listeners out there, I am go not on. doing Go on. Let's hear it. Okay. You know, like we've had these conversations, Alex. I've always been a man of history. I've studied, I, since the age of 10, I've been watching World War II on the History Channel, the Discovery Channel. Yep. I've always looked up to the general patents of the world, the major Richard Winters of the world. Hell, the, the uh, Sergeant Garniers or Joe Toys of the world. Uh, it, those guys were the guys that I've, uh, the Audie Murphys, the Desmond Dosses. Those were the people that I've always looked up to and said, well, holy shit, if they could do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know, it, we, we both know that I've been a dyslexic from birth. Yeah. And General Patton was a dyslexic. So I looked at it and said, well, if that man can go and become a three or four star general, well, I, I can at least come become the average beat cop. I can do something, right? Right. So to me, I have, you know, when you, when I say a doer, you know, I, I, I you know, they're doers. Like I'll measure other people to their standard. Right. I won't no, I agree. measure myself. I won't measure myself to that standard because to me, I have never put myself in, in, in like I've used them as a, as a beacon to, to strive for. But let me, let me ask you this question. Oh God. You know, this book is supposed to be about <laughs> doing me. <laughs> okay. what, but what, what would someone like a general Patton say to you about you? Would they say live your life? Don't live what I did. Do what you're doing and do the best at it. And if I'm you not, do that. Yeah, I'm not trying to live their life. I'm exactly. using that as, as an example. Now, I know what you're trying to do and you're not going to get it because I won't give it to you. Uh, <laughs> Just say I'm right. It's fine. No, negative. Not going to happen. What's he trying you know, to do? I, I'm lost. I'm confused. He's trying to get me to admit that he's right. and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Even uh, though I am, no, can you not. admit that at least? No, not at all. You, you, you don't think he's right about that thought? Here's the analogy that I've used with my own kids. Okay, and this is the way I've looked at it. You know, aim for the moon because even if you miss, you're amongst the stars. So I looked at yourself, didn't you? No, I didn't even hear what you say, but I'm going to disagree. With you. <laughs> Whatever it was, you made that up yourself. Come on, I'll say it again for you. You no, I didn't make that up myself. Up for yourself. But in, gonna... in, in life, like, okay, that's what I'm aiming. Now, I'm not saying I wanted to ever be a four-star general. If I wanted to be a, a, a general, I'd have gone to college, which we all know I wouldn't have had the tolerance for. Amen there. But 
at the same time, that doesn't mean I could say, look, there is an example. And I'm going to try to, to, to live a, a life by that example. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back kind of full circle to what you talked about, Matt. And you said, you know, like, why, why do you want to go back to a place like Norristown? And to me, the point, you know, this expression, like this hero life, it's not that, like I said, it's not like I've started some big tech company. I'm a, a billionaire or something like that for, for somebody. And I think for more than one, somebody lifting themselves out of the shithole that they're living in and living a normal life, like rising to the level of a normal life is equivalent to someone else getting for becoming a four-star general. Okay. And, and so if you say, you know, the heroes, and I'm not saying you're saying this, Matt, but if someone says that the heroes in this life are like, you know, Greek gods and general Patton and, and people who none of us are ever going to become, then it, for me, like if, when I was younger, if I thought that was the only way to live the best life possible, I would have given up. But if we can be an example of being an everyday hero, then we should do that. And that's why to go back to a place like Norristown. Craig, you're quiet. I, I actually agree with a couple of the comments here that I'm hearing. When Alex well, said, of course you do, they're coming from us. Of course. But when Alex says that, you know, if you were to try and portray level of success compared to every four-star general or every, um, you know, Bill Gates or whatever, then none of us would be successful. And I disagree with that. I agree with what, what Alex is saying and you in, in, in a way too, is having a successful career lifestyle, home life, what we have done, which we've all at some point in time have said has been difficult, if not at best, worse than it could ever been as a kid. We are trying to give better all the way yep. around. Yep. And we are the equivalent of the, the Colonel Winters, the Desmond Doss, the General Patton. We are this, this era's true heroes because we are the ones actually doing the job and not getting the fanfare. I, I agree with that. And I'm not one to take accolades. I hate accolades. Yeah. I'll be the first one to fucking tell you I hate accolades, walk away from it. Yep. I wouldn't want to do with it. Yep. But I think what Matt considered like Matt himself can say, he can stand in front of his children and say, I am being the best father you can exactly. ever have. Exactly. I am delivering what you need. And Matt <laughs> me the other day off camera and all that stuff off phone where he made the comment it says, I'm teaching my children to be an, an adult which is the majority of their life versus the, the, the smaller time period where they're just a child. Yes. You want your kids to be kids and have fun being kids and all that stuff. But I'm also raising a child to be a, an adult for the majority of their lifetime. And that's a very poignant piece of the puzzle. You know, I want my kids to be kids and have fun, but I want them to have the ability to be a better human being as an adult. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you said, Craig, made me think about is like, we've been talking a lot about the accolades and like what people say about you and, you know, ego and why go to a place like Norristown to talk about, oh, people are going to stroke your ego. But there's another part of this that really matters to me, which is it does something for us when we, you know, 
like I said, it's not like I'm a hero on the order of anybody who's, you know, someone's written a history book about. But when I was a kid and I was able to, in the beginning, lie to myself, it wasn't true. Like I hadn't done anything. But I said, I'm going to be the hero of my own life. Being able to say that gave me the courage to keep going. Like I said, it wasn't true. I wasn't doing anything. But I believed that I could be. And you talk about like a parent or a husband or a wife who says, I'm doing a great job. And maybe it's not true, but they're a bill. I mean, some people are just deluded, which is different. But people who are really trying to live and become better, it encourages them, inspires them, motivates them to do better. And right, and they're going to be more aware of when they make mistakes. And they're not going to want to repeat it. They're not going to live in that. They're like, no, I'm living this hero life. I can't be a shithead. I can't be a shithead dad. I can't be a shithead husband. I can't be a shithead partner. Like all of that stuff. And that's, that's, I think, you know, I hadn't thought about this until we were having this conversation. That's um, what, what it was really about for me. Yeah, sure. I have an ego, but more importantly, it was how do I motivate myself to always keep doing always keep moving forward and always try to figure out how to overcome the next obstacle oh i know how i'm a hero (laughs) you know what i mean i am the shit is it true sometimes it's not true but my willingness to say that to myself allowed me to keep pushing forward and i mean if you if you're willing to accept what you what you think and it gets you over that next obstacle exactly the next like, I mean, dude, and I hate it. I can't run to save my life. I never could in the military. Hate it. I sucked at it. I still suck at it. Yep. Especially now that I'm still dead, Matt, fat as fuck. <laughs> when I ran in the Army in the 82nd, it was, I literally would look two, three telephone poles in front of me and go, I need to make that telephone yep. pole. That's, and I that's got really. The, then the next, yep. I grabbed two more in front of me. I want that. Yep. One. I've been keeping it every time. I've been keeping my mouth shut. Well, we uh, you keep piling. Thank you. <laughs> I've been keeping my mouth shut. And it, it, when you said the telephone poles, uh, I think I told you both that we had a recent scare with Gavin, my son. Yes. Yeah. A possible, you know, object in the brain and the whole nine yards. And he had to go under the MRI. And he spent like an hour and a half in that sucker. And I started telling him, I said, Anything in life, it, it's just one more step. Yep. No matter how bad you think it is, yep. all you have to do is take one more step. Yep. Now, it, it doesn't mean you're not going to lose ground from time to time. It's just one more step. One more learning experience. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not – I mean, you know, I'm thinking about like, trying to get in shape and lose weight and all that kind of stuff. You know, Matt, you're talking about things that are much more important than that. You know, when you think I, something's. I, 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 yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my son and him having to, but I think that's in life in general. I yeah. Mean, I don't care if it's, you know, trying to be the best runner in the 82nd or in the police Academy or, you know, whatever, you know, I don't care if it's, you know, if you're trying to get your PhD in Islamic theory. Yes, sir. I don't, I don't care what it is. I just got the picture of you standing there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it's always in life one more step. Absolutely. You know, and I remember, you know, Alex, you were saying that, you know, the negative things in your life. I remember 
a lot of the times for me, it was when the, the person said it was a, a negative, I set out to prove them wrong. Yep. You know, I, after you know, I, several incidents in my, my life, I went and I spoke to some people and the woman looked at me and said, you are the definition of a bull in a China shop. Yep. And no argument here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a statement I can't even argue with. Yeah. Uh, my wife will tell you, I am the bull in the China shop. I set my mind to it and that's the end of the story. And let me tell you, when you find a woman you love, don't be the bull in the China shop. Bullseye. But, yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's like a survival tactic, right? For people who everybody, everybody is telling them, no, you can't do that. You can't be that person. It's a survival tactic to be like, fuck you. I'm going to do it. I guess the question I'm asking myself is, who, who would I be without all those sort of negative experiences? But I think I still would be something of a gypsy, you know? Well, I, I was going to say, I go back on that too. Like, I mean, so for me, my background is that, you know, my mom grew up in a pretty hardcore household. When she was with me, my, my grandfather was an asshole about it. So she up and rolled south and tried to make it as far south as she could. Got to Richmond, Virginia. I was born. Somehow I make my way back up here with everybody. And my grandfather realizes the error of his ways. But we never had it easy. My mom busted her home, made sure we had everything we needed to have, get me through school, all that stuff. And we didn't have it easy by no stretch. And I just had a thing with these guys over the weekend where I think they have had too much and they don't understand how good they have it. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade a, an inch for everything I, I had to go through life. In that sense, tougher. And it, yeah. in a much negative way. But I would never trade – I wouldn't change anything or trade anything I've done in life. Yep. I wouldn't trade me not taking the job when I got out of the Army in Florida. I wouldn't trade taking the job and not taking the job in, in Virginia because everything happens for a reason, and I'm at a stage yeah. in life where I'm at because I didn't trade. And, and I would not go back and do it any other way. Yeah, I mean, and it's more striking for me because I would say – Fuck, I was going to say, I wouldn't take the way I was brought up, my stepdad and all the trauma, I wouldn't change it. It's a hard thing to say. You know what I mean? But it makes – would you consider that that making you – It's part – you know, probably what it is, it's, it's, it's like it's a choice, right? I have chosen over the course of my life to accept and move on, right? And what other people have done to me – like I said, it'll always have an impact on me. It'll affect me. But I've made the choice to be the hero of my own story, right? Yeah. And if I'm sitting around talking about how my stepdad treated me badly, my mom treated me badly, and people didn't believe in me, then they are the hero of my story. They dictate who I can become and what I can accomplish. You know, I think about getting my PhD and how all my advisors were basically 
they, you know, were doing everything they could to slow me down, right. And force me into the normal process and the way that everybody does it. And so it's been a choice, you know, so it, it is hard for me to say I wouldn't change how I was, how I grew up. But what I really want to say is that doesn't define me. I define me. I'm the hero of my story. I'm going to, I'm going to add a little bit of different perspective here. Uh, I agree with the both of you that, you know, like whatever we went through develop, you know, made us who we are. And you've kind of short way of saying what you guys are saying is you, you forgive and forget. Yeah. Uh, however, I mentioned a little bit ago, I haven't talked to my mother in like a year and a half. Yeah. And I will say that a lot of me at the time had forgiven and forgotten. Yeah, I've forgiven. Always kind of remembered. Yeah, you never forget. Yeah. Now, the problem in Lied is uh, not this past Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before that. My my brother had had a child, and I wasn't told about it. My mother's sitting at the, the Thanksgiving table, touting how my brother is such a great father. Mind you, he's only been a father for two days, and I think uh, me and Craig. <laughs> can agree that it takes a lot more than two days to prove how much of a father you're going to be. Yeah. Still trying to figure it out. And then my daughter, hopefully she doesn't hear this, has spent an hour drawing my mother a picture. And my daughter loves drawing. My mother used that as a coffee coaster and then oh, forgot man. it. Oh, man. And it was one thing when she did it to me. Yeah. It's a whole different story when you did it to my kid. Yep. And all those things that I may have forgiven you for that I remembered ah, yeah. made it a whole lot harder for me to forgive. Because it was one thing when you did it to me sitting at the kitchen table. It's another thing when you did it to my kid. That is where my, you know, where you guys are saying forgive and forget. Well, ah, when it comes to my kids, that shit comes rushing back and I'm not going to forgive or forget about it. Well, I think, but so I think there's two parts to it. The first part is like, one of the things I write about in the book is how I was able to create. So there's the real world that was happening around me. Like when I was a kid, for example, or when I was in Iraq or Afghanistan, there's the real world that was happening to me, but I was able to create a fantasy world, especially when I was a kid. Right. You know, the worst things are happening to any 10 year old, 12 year old. Right. But in my head, I've created this fantasy world. As I got older, I was able to take that fantasy world where, you know, I was, you know, my real dad was there to save me and protect me and all that kind of stuff. But as I got older, I was able to take all those fantasies and make them a reality. So when my advisors in graduate school said, you cannot do this, I created an idea of what I thought the real world should be or could and could be. And that's what I made happen. So Matt, you're saying like, forgive and forget which is part of it but to me the real part of it is i'm creating my own self and, you know you talk about your mom i can talk about my mom as well and how long it's been since i've talked to her um but i am creating the life and, and you're doing the same thing matt like it, it's not easy it's not like it's perfect it's not like we've solved all the problems but we are creating the life that we for you know you guys for your kids that we wish we had when we were younger. And to me, that's, you know, that is like, 
the hero thing. That's a hero work. That is hero work. Lots of people yeah. can't do that. They don't know how to get out of their own head and make something better than what they've had. Well, I got to say, I mean, this has been a, a great conversation. Matt was a late ad, but, um, you know, as someone, like I said, I mean, you've known me longer than anybody who's still in my life besides my family. So you brought out things that I haven't thought about and probably things that we wouldn't have talked about if it was just me and Craig. So um, it's been a great conversation. I think we're going to close up. So I'll open up the floor to some final comments from the peanut gallery. I think it's definitely, when I started reading the book, I wanted to know more about what made Alex tick. What made you tick? Who were you? Yeah. The book answers that, but it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. And there's a yeah. lot more to every stage of the book and every piece that we can get to know more of. The guy that's with us knows a lot of the stories without even reading the book. Yep. And obviously posed some several very hard questions that um, can can make you think beyond the book. Yep. Um, I think it may mean we need to do this another time, huh? I mean. All right. So, I mean, I think this is uh, until next time instead of, you know, this is the first and last time we talk about all this stuff. And then, you know, hopefully we'll do this in front of an audience and uh, we can have uh, a bunch of people participate in the conversation. Well, and hopefully they bounce questions at you. They bounce questions at him that have. Exactly. You're up here. They know he has more background on you. Maybe they pose questions to him that gives background on you. Yep. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, there's there's um there's there's a lot to be learned here. Um, yeah. I'll I'll just say um, thanks to both of you for the conversation. I mean, it it, it I think it's going to shed a light on a lot of light on the book on me um, and us and our friendship, and we'll have to do it again. So thanks a lot, and yeah, well, cheers. If we could see Matt, we would see him doing the same. I'm sure. I'm holding up the peace sign, and you just can't see it. 